We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hey, everyone. I'm so happy to be spending some time with you here today on this beautiful rainy spring day. I love the rain. It gives me permission just to relax, turn inward, and really take care of myself. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. So yes, the topic of relationships, they can be fun and they can be confusing. They can be heaven and they can be hell, especially when they come to an end. Even in the best case scenario, breaking up is hard to do. If you've ever gone through a breakup, you really know what I mean. You eat too much and you sleep too little, either that or if it's a really rough breakup, you completely stop eating and all you do is sleep. I really remember those days. Well, I think there are lessons and learnings in every area of our lives, and I believe relationships are our greatest opportunity for self-knowledge, self-awareness, and growth. But what about when a relationship we thought was going to last forever comes to an end? How do we get through the pain to see or even begin to understand what our lessons are? I believe no matter what is going on in our lives, there are blessings and gifts in it. But when it comes to breaking up, the loss of an important relationship or a divorce, it can be so very confusing to navigate through that rough terrain and utterly impossible to comprehend what those gifts might be. So that is the very important conversation we're going to be having here today. I'm happy to be having a fabulous guest back on Journey to Center, Dr. Mark Brown. He was here a few months back and we discussed his brilliant book, Live Like a Window, Work Like a Mirror. And today we're going to be talking about another one of his books, The Hidden Gift in Divorce, How to Find Hope, Healing, and Spiritual Growth When Your Marriage Ends. Dr. Brown has been a psychologist for nearly 40 years, and I'm so grateful that he's here today to share some of his wisdom and knowledge about how to cope with the stress and sadness of breaking up and how the painful experience of a relationship ending can open the path to a happier, more peaceful, and more fulfilling life. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Brown. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. Yes, it's uh, wonderful to have you here, and I think this is such an important conversation and evergreen, an evergreen conversation, wouldn't you say? I would say that, yes. It's the kind of yes, thing that uh, goes on and on for people, you know, and it's part of our our nature. It's part of um, the requirements of creation that we have relationships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anything that starts can also end. And in this case, the endings, as you said, can be really, really painful. Yeah, it's uh, the most painful thing in life. And, you know, I, I agree with you in that, you know, we've come to planet Earth to, to learn about love. So our love relationships are going to probably be the richest area for us to learn and and therefore be one of the most challenging, I think, and painful. I certainly so, agree with that. That's my, my personal experience and it's my experience working with lots and lots of people and, you know, and with friends who have gone through this kind of thing. Yeah, it, it is. It, it happens a lot. It's happened to me. It happens to, you know, I counsel people as well. And everybody seems to go through this at some point in their lives and, and probably multiple times. And I do love that about your book, 
um, you had been a, a counselor and a psychologist for many years and probably counseled people going through breakups. And then you were very honest about your personal path and uh, your own uh, breakup and divorce. And so I'm sure that helped you go even deeper in your understanding and your wisdom and, and your ability to help people walk through this. It actually changed what, what I would have to say to people and how I thought about what they were going through. It's, you know, it's one of those experiences. It's sort of like um, panic attacks. It's something you just don't really understand until you've been there yourself. And once you've been there, mm-hmm. you have an empathy that you couldn't have possibly had before. So mm-hmm. I then approached people very differently in the way I thought about them and what I had to say to them. After, not only after I'd gone through it, but after I'd had time to consolidate new learning into into a perspective about life that was very different and very helpful, and I think um, helpful for a lot of people. Actually, that was the impetus to writing this book. You know, I, I, I had a, I got a perspective that I had never thought about before, and I thought, well, this would this would be good to share. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, I, I have a lot of people on the show, I read a lot of books, and dealing with psychologists, they, they can tend to be in their heads a bit, which is great. Knowledge and intelligence and, and book smarts is a really good thing. But the thing I, I love about you, the thing I love about your other book, the thing I love about this book, The Hidden Gift of Divorce, is that it's so heart-based. And there is such um, a level of, of compassion that cannot be... Um, cannot be uh, delivered unless it's it's true. I mean, you can't, you don't get a sense of it unless it's really authentic. And, and I get that impression from you. You're very heart-based human. Well, you know, and, and it came, as it usually does, this kind of stuff comes at a price. <laughs> and, the, the, you know, the price is that you, um, you get knocked out of your usual way of living, your usual way of thinking about things. And there are no answers. To what you're going through, or at least none that are satisfying, and and none that really make you feel like this is really worthwhile. I think we all want to we all want to think our experiences have meaning that they're worthwhile. And man, when you get knocked out of something you always thought you you know where you thought you had the answers, and I I did. I have to say that as a psychologist, you know, I thought I had the answers for people. Well, I found out I didn't, and <laughs> um, so I had to do a lot of reorganizing and, and learning. And, you know, it was, it was a humbling experience for me, mm. but I'll tell you what came out of it is a, not only a, a different view about relationships, but um, an openness to uh, looking at things differently. And um, at, that over the years has resulted in just a greater and greater understanding and appreciation of what we're doing here and uh, how to live a, a fulfilling life. Mm, And I'm really looking forward to getting into that subject. But first of all, I'd like to to, um, ask you, what if there's somebody listening right now that is going through uh, a painful breakup or an estrangement of a relationship or or perhaps a divorce? What would you like to say to those people that are in the throes of that, that kind of pain that both you and I have experienced? What, what words of wisdom or what kind of message would you like to relay to them right now? Well, the first thing I would want them to understand is that I know that nothing anybody says takes away the pain. I mean, when, we, when we're going through that kind of pain, when we have grieving to do, nothing um, causes us to 
uh, gives us a chance to avoid that. And, you know, I guess that's just the way it is. And, and um, you know, some people would suggest that maybe that's the, the crack in the egg that allows us to, to uh, experience a, a rebirth and a new way of looking at things. So I think the thing I would say is that um, such experiences really do have value and maybe potential value in, in that you, you may not be able to see what this is about now, but we're really here to grow and um, our consciousness evolves. And the only way it does is by way of our not being able to live or think or behave in our usual ways. Um, evolution, right from the very beginning, would only happen if there, uh, a new re- um, adaptation in circumstances was required. And if we think that we're here to grow, and I, that's my basic belief, that's the foundation of this book, that we're here to grow, then these experiences are not meant to punish us or hurt us or destroy us. They're really meant to open us up to new growth. We may not be able to see that for a while, but I think if we have that belief, that faith going in, that'll keep us from doing some potentially destructive things or getting into a real negative space and actually will make the whole process of getting over the grief easier and faster. I so agree with what you're saying. And I, I really love going into this, this area because I think personally, there's two ways to live either victim or in our um, power, authentic power. So it seems to me that's kind of what you're saying with this. You know, we're not being punished. And if yeah. we're in that place of thinking, I don't deserve love, I'm being punished, that, that's a, that can be a tough place to get out of. But if we can, yeah. even while we're in our pain, say, what is my soul trying to learn here, that that can help us move through the process? Is that accurate? I agree with that. And, you know, you, you mentioned being um, victim and, you know, uh, being caught up in victim consciousness. And that is really a trap because that will get us into our um, some of our darkest places. Either we'll feel mm-hmm. that we're really deserving of punishment or we'll feel entitled to some kind of retribution because somebody's changing our lives or something's happening that we don't want to have happen. And um, it's, mm-hmm. to me, it's like painting ourselves in, into a corner. And unfortunately, once we do, it can be very hard to get out of once you get into victim consciousness especially if you're not aware that you're doing it, then you can stay stuck there for a long, long time and end up living with a lot of resentment your whole life. And, I mean, what pleasure is there in that? I guess for some people who want to to act out the victim role, there's some pleasure in saying, look what you did to me. But I think most of us don't really want to go there. So I agree with that victim consciousness. I guess it can be part of the healing process, you know, to do the spiritual bypass and pretend it doesn't hurt, doesn't work. Sometimes I feel, you know, we need to go into that pain, but it brings to mind that saying, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, one of the, one of the best approaches to victim consciousness is to become very aware when we are that way and to say, even without, even if we don't really feel any sense of conviction, I'm not a victim in this, I'm not a victim in this, I am not a victim, I am not a victim. And instead of going there then, getting into that angry, dark place, we can begin to look for growthful 
uh, resolutions to the circumstances. It's so powerful. You know, for me, I, I went through a, a, a breakup. It was a very, very painful breakup, as they tend to be. And for about two years, I just wanted to bemoan my fate and talk about how this guy had treated me so badly. And then I, I looked around at the circumstances in my life, and things were pretty bad. You know, things weren't getting better, and I couldn't figure out why. And as I meditated on it, it was because I was constantly looking at my past and complaining about my past. Instead of, you know, trying to learn from that and looking more optimistically towards my future. And I really had to sit and think about that for a while because I, I got on some level that I was going to have to quit telling my story, that I was going to have to rise above it. And uh, I, I didn't want to right away. Um, but eventually I did because things weren't going well. And well, I had to it. let it go. I had to forgive him. Well, and, and often that's, that's the impetus to growth. When we, we finally get tired of doing what we're doing, you know, it's not getting us anywhere. We're miserable. And, you know, there's, there's no gain in the misery anymore. So we say, you know what, I've got, I've got to do something other than this. What can I do? And I think that's what you're describing. Is that, yeah. you know, that finally the end of misery because you just get, you get tired of, of being miserable. Yeah. That's saying that you do what you've always done. You're going to get what you've always gotten. And, and I wasn't liking what I was getting. So I was like, I was, I'm going to have to make some different choices here. And that meant really letting go of the victim consciousness. As much as I didn't want to, it got to the point where I just, I just had to. So yeah, after a yeah, while that's that, not fun. No, yeah. whatever pleasure there is just not worth the, the misery anymore. Exactly. You know, that's, the, that's, the, that's the nature of evolution. We get to that place where what we're doing is no longer adaptive. And, you know, in the rest of nature... If that occurs, something's going to die. You know, it, um, plants, animals, um, they have to adapt or they're going to die. And that's, that's what happens with us, too. You know, we're either going to grow or, or we're going to go the other way. And our, our intention here, whether we think about it consciously or not, is to grow. So most of us are going to get to that place where we say, you know, this just doesn't, isn't working for me anymore. I need to get out of this. Mm -hmm. and, and then... Start looking for novel solutions to our circumstances, and that's that's where real growth happens. Mm, that's so wonderful, and and something you're bringing to, bringing up uh, brings to mind for me. It's like we can't have rebirth without death, and um, it does feel like sometimes when we go through these breakups that we're going to die, and yeah. maybe it is kind of a death of sorts, an ego death, or you know, it is the 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 end of an era. It feels it feels it's horrible. It's like sometimes, you know, I thought I'd rather die. <laughs> it's like, you know, what can hurt more than this? Mm -hmm. it, you made me look at the uh, epigraph in this book on divorce. And it's, um, it says, and so long as you haven't experienced this, to die and so to grow, you are only a troubled guest on the dark earth. And that's by Goethe. So, yeah, I, you know, that, that is my feeling about this, too, that, that and it was the experience of, you know, going through something like this, that uh, the growth that comes out of it, especially, you know, when you look back on things and you say, holy smokes, I'd have never gotten here if I hadn't gone through that. We understand that that's part of the process. What's interesting is that, in, um, as I understand it, um, baby chickens, for example, nearly, and if you've ever seen photos or videos of it, you, you believe it, they nearly die trying to crack their way out of their eggs. 
I mean, they are just completely mm-hmm. spent. And, you know, babies really struggle um, being born. So the business about birth, or in our in other case, we're talking about rebirth being very difficult, is it's just sort of the way things are and, and apparently necessary to allow us to develop the kind of strength we need then to go on and not only survive in life, but to really prosper. You bring up a good point. I read somewhere once, you know, it's like a butterfly, just like the chicken or just like us when we're born. It's very, uh, it's it's a lot of work. It's very painful. It's very challenging. But in studies where they've helped the butterfly out of the chrysalis, they die. The same with because chicks. Because they don't have the strength. Yeah. Is if, that right? If you interfere too soon, they'll die. If you That's enable them, they'll die. Yeah, we think that, you know, we think, well, they're really struggling. We need to help them out. Exactly. Nature, <laughs> nature has its way. We're going to, you know, you if if you want this, if you're going to gain from being in life, you're going to have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to work. And so that's not a bad thing. It's, just, it's not a bad thing. It can just feel like it when we're in it. Um, oh, yes, for <laughs> sure. It's like no, a very bad thing when that. we're in it. Yeah, I heard once uh, a teacher said to me, your soul cares very little about your comfort. Yeah. And I was like, I well, how true. rude. <laughs> but it is. It's about our soul cares more about our um, growth and our expansion and our evolution than it does for us to just maintain a status quo, I think. Well, in, in uh, Thomas More's book, Care of the Soul, he said, soul loves complication. <laughs> oh, I love so, that. Soul loves complication. I, I did too. That, that has really stuck with me. And, you know, the other thing is I, I think our souls are ready to move before we are. So very often they're leading the way. And we're being dragged along, kicking and screaming. <laughs> kicking and screaming. Yeah, we don't like <laughs> it. But, you know, it, so, um, I think the, um, the proof of all of this is the perspective we have down the road. If we've, if we've gotten out of the victim consciousness, gotten away from feeling guilty or angry, and um, really learned how to be peaceful and to look for um, the growth opportunities that are available. When we look back, we see that all of this is it's not only necessary, um, I guess we can just also say, well, it is the way it is. But that what we're talking about here in uh, terms of, of looking at difficult circumstances as opportunities for growth is true. It's, 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 not somebody, it's not something somebody's making up to try to make you know, to put the best face on things. It's, it's absolutely, as you know, I know, and I'm sure lots of listeners know it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. It is true. Um, you know, it's, it, and it's interesting to have these conversations with you and, and, you know, look back to where I've been and where I know you've been and to where we are now. You talk about the soul-loving complication, but does it feel to you like when we get to a certain level of understand, understanding, which usually occurs by virtue of, of the pain and the chaos and the confusion, that we get to a level in consciousness where things are just, I call it getting above the cloud line, where things feel a little, well, a lot more peaceful, a lot more serene, a lot more clear. Is that your experience as well? That's my experience as well. I, um, in my new book, because it was a download of information to me, you know, I learned as the stuff came to me and as I wrote it, to me, um, what higher consciousness means, which is a term we 
are familiar with and use frequently is is just a matter of getting the bigger picture of things, which, you know, is a relative term because it gets bigger and bigger. We get a broader and broader perspective for having been through these experiences. And once we get to higher consciousness across that threshold where we say, oh, well, this is about more than I think it is. Yeah, I wonder what this will be about. Hey, I'm looking forward to finding out what this might be about. When we get to that place above the clouds, as you said, things do get easier. There's no, there's just no question about that. We don't react in the, you know, in those reflexive ways we used to, especially if we've gotten above things like victim consciousness or anger or entitlement or, you know, the blues. Uh, life does get easier. Even the difficult things get easier. And if and it may only be because we now have that broader perspective that we've earned by way of having gone through all of, all of these experiences. So true. And I think, you know, for me, it was going through those challenges where I finally set the intention, I want serenity, I want peace. But that certainly was not what I aspired to or, or wanted for myself in my, my 20s and even into my 30s. What I wanted then was passion. And yes, I, yes. I found it interesting to know that passion means to suffer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, well, I, you know, I, I have thought about the same thing, and I remember reading something like that in, uh, in an interview somebody did with Gandhi. You know, they asked, asked him what he was passionate about or, you know, some question about that. And he said, well, <laughs> I don't think of myself as a passionate person, and I don't want to be passionate. You know, I want to be peaceful. So, yeah, it's, it's a very different thing. But, you know, people use passion maybe without thinking about it the way we're talking about it, but that's certainly the way I think about it. You know, I don't want to be excited. I don't want to be passionate. And yet what I have found in life, having gotten beyond those, is just a real deep enthusiasm and enjoyment, more more so than those states would provide. Those Those are more... I think they're more temporary and they're more like a roller coaster. You know, what goes up must come down. So it's not like yeah, we're dull. Yeah. You know, I think we. That's we the vision that comes to mind. More. It's like, yes, that spiking of energy where it's a more consistent. And, and for me, it is peace, but to me, there's something more. And it's just this, this deep joy. It's a deep that, joy that sometimes goes into, for me, into the area of, of like, uh, this bliss, but it's mm-hmm. not because of anything that's happening in my life. It's just more of this uh, connection, mm-hmm. you know, yes. to life. Yes. That's, that to me is higher consciousness. That's that sense we get of this bigger picture and, and, you know, that we're really connected, you know, in ways we, we probably never realized before. That's all. We just never had the opportunity to realize before. Yeah, I think it's, I think that, I think it's true. And I, feel like sometimes, you know, people like, oh, well, you're happy because you have this relationship. And I'm like, well, no, I have this relationship because I'm happy. You know, it wasn't like I was trying to find something at that point in my life. I felt like I finally got to the place where I was in love with life. It was like this cosmic love affair, not just because, you know, it wasn't me looking for the man to complete me any longer. But once I got into the place of being really connected and whole, then that person can show up. You know, I know what you're saying. Lots of times we think that, uh, we, you know, we want people to be in relationships so they'll be happy. And, and um, you know, if you're in a relationship and somebody else is not, if, unless you know better, you might feel guilty about that. And certainly people who are leaving relationships 
um, for uh, for new relationships can feel guilty because they have somebody and the other person doesn't. So, you know, we think this way. We think that uh, we need relationships to be happy. But what I discovered while I, after my divorce and when I was by myself and, and was ready to face it was that if you get on the other side of the fear of being alone, there is a kind of joy that you won't experience even in a relationship. So I remember reading something where it said uh, joy is for uh, people who are not, who, for those who don't fear being alone. And this is not easy if you've been in a relationship for a long time and have never been on your own. In fact, the word terror comes to mind when folks have to think about the possibility of really being by themselves. But the greatest joy I've ever felt is when I got past that need to be with somebody. And I think what that does is it sets you up then to be potentially a much better partner because after that, you know, you're you're not setting conditions on a relationship. You don't have a, a dependency agenda anymore. You're going into it as an independent person, probably more uh, likely to find another independent person and therefore to have a, um, a healthier relationship. Yeah, I like the term interdependent when it comes to healthy relationships. I agree. Can I, I agree. What comes to mind for me is the MasterCard symbol where there's two circles overlapping. But, mm-hmm. you know, those circles aren't blending a.k.a. becoming codependent, they still have clear boundaries within the context of the relatedness. Well, if you're, if you're traveling those circles, it, the circle themselves may overlap, but if you're traveling those circles, it, like if you're an electric current going around it, a lot of the time you're outside of the connection. You know, then you're really on your own. Yes. And sometimes yes. you're within the Absolutely. connection. Absolutely. so true. I'm so excited about talking more about this we're going to go to break and when we come back we're going to go more into healthy boundaries in the context of our relationships which can be which can be challenging and dr brown is also going to share with us three ways we can take really good care of ourselves while going through a breakup or for any time for that matter so i'm excited about hearing that so stay tuned we'll be right back with dr mark brown have you ever lost a cat And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. (coughs) See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Have you ever lost a cat? <laughs> the forest is a treasured and magical place. Hello, Bambi. Hello, little prince. Hello. Hello, man. But a wildfire can destroy its beauty for a lifetime. It's always wildfire season somewhere in America. Nearly 9 out of 10 wildfires nationwide are caused by the carelessness of humans and could be prevented. 
But together, we can make a difference. Watch what I can do! <laughs> Help protect the home of our forest friends. He can call me a flower if he wants to. To find out more, log on to SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. This message has been brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, the National Association of State Foresters, and the Ad Council. Come on! You can do it! The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas... One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One in 800,000. And the odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. Thanks for hanging out with us here today on Journey to Center and Power Radio. I hope you are having a beautiful, magical, peaceful day. But if you're not, if you're in some pain, you're in the right place. We're talking to Dr. Mark Brown. Uh, he's been a psychologist for many, many years. But even more than that, he is a spiritual teacher. So, Dr. Brown, so happy to have you here with us here today. Glad to be back. Yes. Yeah, so before we went to break, um, I'd mentioned that you were going to share with us how we can take responsibility for taking really good care of ourselves. I think sometimes in relationships and not just in our romantic partnerships, but any relationship, we look to another person to make us feel good, to take care of our feelings or to make us feel good about ourselves, where in truth, that's not really anybody else's responsibility. Um, that I agree with. Uh, the the really thoroughgoing good feelings about herself have to come from with them. And even if you have people patting you on the back or saying, Atta, you know, attaboy or girl, that stuff actually can get sort of addictive. If you don't have it within, you have, you have to go back mm-hmm. to more and more of that. So you'll be looking for that from everybody and probably end up, mm-hmm. up you know, a posse around you who... Uh, it's dependent on you financially, you're probably going to be disappointed. It's a fascinating subject. Yeah, I talk about filling up from the outside in. And, you know, I was in, in uh, some circles where there was a lot of really, really famous people, and it seemed it could be, it was an addiction. So it's very interesting to hear you say that. So I guess the real point is if we want to be uh, become more conscious, get to those higher levels of altitude and peace and joy, we need to fill up from the inside out. Correct. Correct. And, so, you know, this, uh, the breakups, those times when we're on our own, give us an opportunity to do that very kind of thing. Well, and that's what I'm excited about going into now in regards to uh, 
the three the three helpful hints you can share with us. <laughs> okay, you know, <laughs> to maybe uh, fill uh, up from the inside out, or to feel good about take responsibility for for feeling good about ourselves. Pen well, and, and paper are poised. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few actually several things come to mind, but one of the first things I would say to people going through breakups is to stay away from negative people. Now that doesn't sound like you know a, a positive thing to do, but it absolutely will. Um, set you up to uh, experience more positive things. It's when, when there's a breakup, um, people will often do sort of nasty things to each other or, you know, if somebody's changing your life by way of breaking up with you, it's very easy to find people around you who want to take your side and start attacking that other people, say, person saying negative things. Um, getting you in a negative space, supporting any negativity you might be feeling yourself. And it's a trap. That's the thing about it. It's a trap. There's no healing in that whatsoever. But, you know, if you think about um, um, television dramas or a lot of the popular movies that have been around, somebody gets victimized, you know, they have a then a right to retribution and then they take it out and the reason those things are popular is because people get into that. They identify with it and they get into it. But if you really want to take care of yourself and you want this to be a growth experience, if you start hearing that, you have to shut it down. Whether it's a friend or parents, you know, you can go to lawyers and therapists who are that way. That's not where you want to be. So the very first thing I would suggest is stay away from negative people. It's hard enough to deal with our negative feelings. We don't need people fueling those. Another yeah, thing I, I hear suggest, is mm-hmm, yeah, uh, enabling victim consciousness is what I hear. Yes, what I hear you saying. It's, mm-hmm. it's a trap. It's a trap. So very good advice. The first thing I would say is try to clear out of that space as a way of promoting um, good things in the future. You know, the, one thing I do advise in this book, or do say in the book, is that there are a lot of regrets um, when after a divorce. But you'll never regret being gracious and being kind and being positive. Those things you'll never regret. You'll look back and you'll you actually that. you'll feel pretty good about yourself. Um, you know, another thing I would suggest is um, to not shut down. And that's easy to do. You know, if you're really hurt by somebody leaving you or if you feel really bad about leaving somebody, you can begin to shut down. You start hiding, not only within yourself, but from other people. So what, even if you don't really feel like being around other people talking about this so much, what you can do is, is get outside, get out there and walk, just walk. It doesn't have to be power walks. It can be strolls, but get outside. The light is always brighter outside. Um, nature is healing. And there's a, actually a um, uh, reason in physics for that. It's kind of interesting that Every structure has um, frequency, a vibrational rate, and the Earth's vibrational rate is in the alpha range, and the alpha range is where we go when we're meditating, and it's where we feel um, really relaxed. So if you get out there on the big globe and it's you know vibrating at this healing frequency, you, you can't lose. So it doesn't take away the grief um, automatically, but it certainly keeps you from getting into a dark space Put you in a a brighter atmosphere that actually has a really good impact on your brain. 
And, um, you know, the, the um, opposite of being around negative people is being around positive people. You need to be around mm-hmm. folks who are patient and want to listen to you, um, don't want to give you a bunch of advice, are really just willing to listen. It could be a good friend or a relative. Uh, it could be a therapist. It could be a minister. So we want to be around, be around positive people. And the other thing I would say is, as hard as it might be at times, this is an excellent time to take time to be alone. And in that time, you know, I, what, I, what I found helpful was to light some candles. You know, I had like an altar. And to start reading books that have to do with our spiritual nature, with spiritual growth. Because these experiences, whether we know it or not at the time, are all about that. And, and this is an excellent time to expand our whole sense of our spiritual awareness, our spirituality. And there's a, you know, I mean, there's a huge literature out there. You can pick and choose. But if you take time to be alone, it can be sort of a, a meditation time. You know, you can be like in, a, in your own little monastery and you can do some really wonderful um, growth at a time that's very difficult. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's like going inside that chrysalis and that sanctuary and, and connecting with the, the truest source of love. And, and you may not intellectually understand that, but if you, if you give yourself to the process, I think it, it can be incredibly healing. In retrospect, I think I, I, think I did do that on, on occasions, and it, it is very, very, very healing. And I know in your book you talk about emptying out an empty time. Is that what you're discussing here? Is that what this is about? Well, that can be um, both, uh, you know, sort of a spiritual uh, symbolic thing. It can also be a, a literal thing. You can. Uh, it's, this is an excellent time to, to begin to get rid of stuff that you've collected over time. You know, mm-hmm. what people tend to do is get stuff around them that makes them feel comfortable, maybe helps give them an identity. And this is a real time of change. And since it's, a, it, since it's, a, it's really a, a, a spiritual time, whether we know it or not, the more we streamline at a time like this, you know, if you think about going on a hike, a long hike, you don't want to carry a bunch of stuff with you. So what we want to do mm. is want to, we want to streamline for this spiritual journey. So, yeah, emptying out by way of um, taking quiet time, seeing what comes up, uh, learning meditation so that whatever comes up, we, we can just easily let go. But also not feeling so um, bad because our physical um, lives are going to change, our lifestyle, the stuff we have that's going to change. But instead thinking, well, this is a time to, st- to streamline and I'm going to do that and, you know, let's see what happens when I do. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Anytime I've ex- I experience chaos now in my life, I, I know that it's because I'm up-leveling. <laughs> and I, I think it's time to weed the garden, so to speak. It's time to clean yeah. out the yeah. closets. It's time to maybe uh-huh. do a physical cleanse. So I, I like hearing that. that. That's something I've intuitively done, but it, you're affirming that, that that's probably a very positive thing. Yes, and don't worry about the, the, the circumstances so much. I remember um, the living circumstances. I, I remember I ended up in a basement apartment in this house uh, not far from where I work, and when I first walked, a friend of mine found it for me, but when I first walked in, I thought, oh, no, is this what it's all come to? But I ended up staying there for almost two years and would have stayed longer except they they were going to sell the house. And it turned out to be a monk's cell for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I 
uh, learned to meditate there, and I did some wonderful reading and reflection there. I journaled there. So um, what I, you know, <laughs> what I cringed about going in turned out to be so, so important. Uh, and I ended up, uh, honestly, I just looked at life so differently after that. You know, what the, yeah. in a way, you know, we might wish that we could have the material abundance we had before, but what's better than that is to not need it anymore. That's so true because we can get so, I think, attached to Maya or illusion and the stuff outside of us, which can look like material things or, you know, being seen yep. at the right places with the right people. But um, that's something we want from the, the level of the ego or the personality where a soul may have, again, a very different agenda. And mm -hmm. I can totally relate to what you're saying because I had a very opulent, decadent lifestyle. And then when I was kicked to the curb, I... I lived in a studio apartment in, in a not very nice part of town. And it uh -huh. felt like I was on a choke chain. I felt like I was on this really, really short leash. And in retrospect, yeah. that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I had no place mm -hmm. to run. I had no yeah. place to, to distract myself as much as I, well, my personality wanted that. It was God keeping me on a really short leash so yeah. I could go and do this inner work that you're talking about. What we want to do is we, we want to see things differently. And... Our, it's, it's interesting. Our brain's inclination is not to do that. Our brain's inclination is to keep things the same. Think about things the same. React that to things well. the same. Mm -hmm. Want the same things. So when we get kicked out of um, the usual way of doing things, when there's doing things when there's no status quo anymore, the inclination might be to try to to uh, set things up just the way they were. But the very very best thing we can do is not be able to do that. And, you know, I mean, in a, in a uh, divorce, for example, often the material changes are such that you can't do anything about that. Well, it's not something to fear. It's really an opportunity to end up seeing things differently. And in the end, I think that's, if, I think any of the listeners would say that they see things differently than, than they did, say, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Well, there's this process in us. It's the evolution of our consciousness, and that's what we're here doing. We're evolving. Our consciousness is evolving. So we want to see things differently, and we want to encourage circumstances in our lives where we think, see things differently, even if our brains want things to remain the same. So when we get kicked out, you know, you're in your studio apartment, I'm in my monk cell, that's our opportunity to grow. <laughs> your monk cell. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, it's such a different way of looking at things because generally when people go through a really big breakup, they've been in a long-term relationship or divorce, they consider themselves to be a failure. They're so embarrassed. They're so ashamed because now they've become the statistic. And, yeah. and the way you talk about that, that, that's not what's going on. No, no. I remember getting to a place where, you know, I felt that way initially and, and I was a therapist for Pete's sake. You know, I've been seeing couples for years and now I'm going through a divorce myself. Well, I got to a place where, you know, rather than saying, well, I'm embarrassed about this, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to being a single guy. I'm looking forward to, you know, being a divorced person. Not because I was, you know, wishing ill for anybody, but because I was facing down that status. And once I did, it didn't matter anymore. You know, I mean, that's a, there's a real freedom we experience when we're no longer um, constrained by social expectations, or by, you know, socially desirable lifestyle. And um, in these cases, we don't have any choice. We're just, you know, we have to go along with the uh, 
momentum, but it's a very, very good thing. It is a good thing, even if it doesn't feel good. Even if it doesn't yeah, feel good. I think that that's absolutely true. So I have a question for you. You, you write in your book about fear versus faith. Uh-huh. And I think it's such a vital subject. Now, do you think that is a conscious choice we can make? Um, yeah, you know, what's really important for us is to become more and more self-aware, which means that we are aware of any thoughts or emotions that come up in us. And one of the, the two primary ones, the, the way I think about it, the very, very primal ones, and this is for other animals, not just us, our fear and desire. Desire has to do with sexual attraction among animals, including human beings, that allows for reproduction and the survival of the species. And fear has a very basic place also because it, you know, it's, a, it's based on a survival instinct. Without fear, we'd probably get hit by buses. You know, our kids wouldn't make it out of kindergarten, that kind of thing. So what we want to do, though, is not be guided by that. And that means that when it comes up, we need to see it in all of its forms. And what what faith does, what this sense of our being here for a purpose does, is it allows us not to be guided by that fear. So let's say you have, you you know, you you have to go through a, a relational breakup, and there's a lot of fear there about all the changes that are going to happen. If we allow that fear to run the show, maybe we won't make the moves we need to make. What we don't want to do is allow fear, our, our real primal um, survival instinct to rule. What we want to do is get into this higher consciousness business where we know that things are about growth, where life is really here to support us in, in our development and, and operate in that mode where we say, yeah, no, this is about something, even if we're really scared, um, just not let it rule our behavior. So, you know, faith for some people may be a very specific kind of uh, religious faith. But to me, it's just this sense that there that w- there's something that we're here about something, and that something is growth, and that what's going to happen to us is going to promote that. That way, fear won't reign, and it won't cause us to shut down. Yeah, what comes to mind is just the vision of instead of going against like the waves in the ocean turning around and letting the waves start to like carry you, like trusting the mm-hmm. process. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a really um, nice image. <laughs> Being yeah, I'm just, I feel like waves. I've said that before. I feel like I'm riding the wave, you know, uh-huh. it's like, I'm not the wave. I'm not trying to control the wave. I'm just kind of uh-huh. riding it. And it's well, a, it's a nice very different way of image. being. I'm productive mm-hmm. without having to bang my head against the wall. It's, mm-hmm. it's not as emotional mm-hmm. and frustrating mm-hmm. and it's, it's a different yeah. way of being. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I <do. laughs> Wouldn't you? So yeah, I, that, yeah, that, I absolutely. That that brings yeah. us nicely to my next question, which you write about this in your book as well, which I just love. But I want to hear more from you about what this means to you. You write about honoring the mystery, uh-huh. honoring the mystery. Can you tell me what that means? Well, it's it really is associated with, with the things we've been talking about, and that is that we're here about something even if we can't identify just what it is. One of the, one of the places um, religious beliefs have is they, um, they, they try to explain the mystery for us because 
the the grand mystery is really beyond comprehension, and human beings don't like that. So you know, we we our brains try to develop ways of making things smaller, making them manageable. You know, the universe, creation, eternity these things that are these things are beyond our ability to imagine. We cannot get our minds around these things really. Well, rather than trying to do that, what we can do is just go with that flow. You know, there is more here than I can possibly understand. And, and you know, you can apply that to a, a relationship breakup very specifically. There's, this feels bad. I don't, how can something that feels so bad be right in any way? Honoring the mystery is understanding that it's about something. And if we don't really, if we can't really explain it, actually, if it's a mystery, you can't explain it, then, then that doesn't matter. We don't have to really be able to explain it. We don't have to be able to control it. So honoring the mystery is, to, is a matter of allowing this sense of something greater than we are, this, uh, this heartfelt humility that it's not just about us and what we want and what we think we need, that there's something going on here that's beyond us. If we can just, as you say, you know, just sort of float with those waves, then life is going to be such a joy, such a joy. So honoring really the mystery is, is yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so yeah, not, again, it's, it's about not creating only from our own understanding, but for me, it felt like I turned my face back to God and went, okay, uh-huh. Clearly, there's something more going on here than I understand, and I don't know what that is, but I suspect you do. (laughs) So I'm going to turn my face to you, and I'm just going to relax into this place. And that's something I do every day before I get out of bed. I I just, I I kind of energetically just turn my face to God in my mind's eye and just say, I'm here to serve you. Uh And, you know, I'm still productive. I still write. I still paint. I still counsel. But there's, um, I don't know, almost like a sweetness to, to my existence at this point. It's very calm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even if there's yeah. drama, I don't feel like I get pulled into it. Very good. Yes. So, yeah, it's not creating from our own understanding anymore, but creating from a place of, of honoring that something bigger than us. That, that mystery, I suppose, is another way of, of putting it, co-creating yeah. with yeah. the universe, that's, I say sometimes. That's, that's where real serenity is. And just turning it over or leaving it alone or, uh, you know, people talk about going with the flow in, in my book, live like a window, work like a mirror. I talk about allowing the flow to go through you, you know, where mm. you're, just, you're not trying to, not trying to control anything. That, that doesn't mean we don't go about our business because we do, but, um, but, you know, on a larger, larger, larger scale, and that's this higher consciousness business. We know that there's something going on that we don't control and we're not supposed to control. And, you know, the less we try to control it, even the less we try to understand it, in a way, the better we are. I think the, you know, the um, Eastern masters were really masters at that. When somebody would ask them a question, what's the meaning of life, what's this, what's that? They'd give them one of those koans, which were senseless things, because they were unanswerable questions. Well, that leads you to the mystery. (laughs) The mystery is unanswerable. So... If I can't answer, you know, what's the sound of one hand clapping, I finally have to give up. That's, that's what we need to do, <laughs> just finally. Because there's no intellectually comprehending or understanding. We'll never get our mind around it. I mean, you can't, we can't get our minds around just the expanding universe. We, 
we can't. It's impossible. And that's because we're in it. We can't get outside. We can't get outside of outside. And it continues to expand. So if we can't get that, then, you know, how are we going to get creation? Or what's behind creation? We're not going to. And, and that's great. And if, you, if we finally leave that alone, there's peace in that. There's serenity in that. It really is, you know, and it, it is. It's about getting out of the need to understand or the need to control or the, the attachment to what something, the way something has to look and just kind of surrendering to the heart. Yeah, my other book, like the other book subtitle is um, Enlightenment and the Practice of Eternity Consciousness. And eternity consciousness is just that awareness in an eternal sense of that, that you know, incomprehensible vastness. That, incomprehensible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's just no way, if you just stop and, and put yourself in in uh, an eternal space, there's nothing there. There are no limits. There are no boundaries. Um, you know, there's no texture. And in a way, that can be scary. You know, it feels like the dark void. But if you really go with that, it's the most serene experience you can possibly have. That's to me, so you know, that's yeah, you bring that's to mind it's 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 so true, and you bring to mind something that was so profound in my learning. It's just getting to the point where I realized I don't have to know anything as a young person. I thought I had to know or have the answer in order to be loved, which is a ridic- ridiculous notion. When I surrendered that and really just went into the don't know, uh-huh. I don't know, yeah. Yeah. and I don't need to know. It was so liberating to me. I just felt like I, I put down this two pound, do two ton rock and was just able to relax i don't know that's beautiful you know know, what those some of those masters would talk about the don't know mind or the beginner's mind you don't have to know Mm -hmm. yeah i um experienced the loss of a really important relationship for me and um a very dear friend was murdered not too long ago and i was absolutely spinning and i was trying to figure it out and i kind of went into shock and i was running around the house cleaning and I finally went, I have to sit down. And I sat down and I just dropped into my heart. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. And what I got was, you will never understand because it makes no sense from the intellectual level, from the standpoint of the mind. It will never make sense. So that was when I got, I have to just surrender understanding. There's a bigger picture that I don't get right now. I just have to mm-hmm. cry. I have to allow my tears. I have to weep. I have to grieve. And let it that's carry me thing. through this. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, once we finally leave it alone, um, trying to understand it. or And sometimes, you know, our, in our under, trying to understand it, our brains are in a very skewed way trying to gain some control over it. And there isn't any. Yes. There isn't there any. Isn't but any. all of that. And that's where it all comes. Of that, <laughs> yeah, so we get, you know, ultimately we, we need to just get down to our grieving. You know, we miss that person. We hate to think about what they might have gone through. We'd like to have them back. You know, those things. We just go through our grieving. And, uh, and, and down the true line. In it's true in, in, you know, in death. It's true with any kind of um, loss where we're experiencing the loss of love that was from someone outside of ourselves. And it is. It's a, it's a very, very uh, painful process. And we can't, like, just get over it like that. So I guess that's. That's part of what you teach. You know, one of the very worst experiences is to want somebody you can't have. And, you know, when somebody's taken away like that, 
you know, there's just no bringing them back. And then those awful, you know, I mean, we can get into the awful circumstances. But, you know, um, and I don't, this is not meant to demean that sense of loss of somebody special. But if we look out at nature, that happens all the time. You know, um, you'll have a... Part of uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, a squirrel will be out under the bird feeder and a fox will come and take it. They don't, you know, they don't want to be... They don't want to go through that, and when we look at it, we feel really bad about that. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's it really like is part of life. This, this it uh, is. with a murder, for it example, is. with the predation on on uh, of human beings on human beings, it's part of nature. And that if if we can allow that, that this is we're not being singled out here. You know that everything in nature goes through such things. It actually helps. Part and of then the all that's left is the grieving, and you know who wants to grieve? I don't know. I, I hate grief. About you. Yeah, it's not fun, but it is part of it. All right, if you want Dr. Brown, go to his website, markbrown.com. You can get his books and more wisdom there. Okay, well, Dr. Brown, we have to go, but hang on because I want to keep talking to you. To my guests, write to Mark Brown, write to me at tammybphd at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.